Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. They are uh, just in the process of gaveling in the impeachment trial in the Senate. Uh, One o'clock East Coast time, 11 o'clock our time, roughly every day uh, it's getting in. And you will have the White House attorneys continuing to make their argument against impeachment or against removal. Impeachment's already happened. I'm trying to use the proper terminology. Yeah, I got it. And uh, I no, get all I, I, twisted it, around sometimes. <laughs> well, there's so much information. Yeah, it's is. easy to get your mind all jumbled up. I'm and, right you know, there. Bruce and I try to make sense of it and try to give you perspective on it because we know that you're not glued to C-SPAN well, right now watching you know the TikTok we, of you it You know all. why we know? How, how the, do we know, Bruce? The TV ratings are yeah. in. Yeah. And and, uh, uh, the infomercial for the sham wow is beating the (laughs) uh, impeachment trial, by the way, handily beating it. Yeah. And 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 uh, well, okay. so why do you think that is? Why do you think it is? That I got a couple it's of It's only reasons. for the, well, at this point, third, for this, third like time. third time mm-hmm. that this has happened in our nation's yes. history. And yet, days of our lives in General Hospital would get higher, and, forgive me, and the ShamWow commercial <laughs> are getting, or would be getting if they were on, higher ratings than the impeachment proceedings. Why? I got two reasons. Give me your first. It's a foregone conclusion the way it's going to turn out. Yeah. That you had senators, by the way, on both sides, telegraphing that they automatically thought he was guilty or they automatically thought he wasn't before anything had happened. Which made people think, well, they're hardly an impartial juror. If you showed up for jury duty and you said that, they'd kick you out of the the jury immediately. Mm -hmm. Second, the rules that the Senate came up with specifically the R's and Mitch McConnell, was to make this as boring and unwatchable as possible. And I think they've They've achieved their goal. Yeah, you know, I I would agree with you. (laughs) I I would agree with you. uh, Definitely on number one, where it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, For me, I kind of liken it to... I can't watch movies twice. Once I've watched a movie, Once, I know how it plays out and I know how it ends. Titanic, the boat sinks. I don't need to see it again. I don't need to go back to the beginning when the boat hasn't sunk. I know it sinks. That's why people get so ticked off about spoilers, <laughs> right? Yeah. They don't want you to spoil it for I them. They, know wa- how it is. they want to see and kind of play this out, sure. how it's going to go. If it's already kind of a foregone conclusion, then what's the point? Yeah. And I know that that's how a lot of people feel. The other aspect about it is there are a lot of twists and turns, and there are names, and there are people that are not household names. So you start throwing them out there, and you're like, whoa, where is this going? I, I can't make sense of it. Nobody's put out like a one sheet oh, that God. connects it from point A to point Z, like in just a, a very linear kind of fashion. And I know that that's what the Democrats were hoping to do in their opening statements. They did not. Nail it. So I think that there's just people going, if this is a foregone conclusion, I can't follow the story. And also, mm-hmm. I think that it's just like the TikTok in, 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 in Democrats keeping this at like, you know, Mach 10 and the sky is falling, the sky is falling for years. People are just like, enough already. But this is important. Um, there's and, no and, doubt. And so that, by, by me sounding kind of flippant there, I, I don't mean as like, I don't care. No, this is really important. So when you weren't watching on Saturday. The okay. White House attorneys, by the way, the, the Senate was in session, mm-hmm. and they laid out their reasons why this is all a bunch of hooey, right? Hooey? We're calling hooey on this? I'm, I'm we, paraphrasing. We're not to shenanigans yet, but we're no. on hooey. Okay. 
And they laid out um, what they called six reasons why this case should be dismissed at face value. Yeah. And then Sunday came around. Their defense lasted less than 24 hours. And then what happened? When a manuscript written by former National Security Advisor John Bolton was leaked to the New York Times in which three of the six things that the lawyers said on Saturday were hooey. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton says, not only were they not hooey, hooey, I was in the room and I was specifically instructed to do this. In the new book titled The Room Where It Happened, John Bolton, the president's former national security advisor, reportedly writes President Trump told him aid to Ukraine was tied to investigations into Democrats, including Joe Biden. The August conversation after the hold was already in place and Mr. Bolton brought up his concerns over the delay. It's a firsthand account that directly contradicts what the president's lawyers have been arguing in the Senate trial of the president's impeachment. Overnight, President Trump tweeting out a denial, writing, he never told Bolton that, Bolton had never complained, that the only reason he's saying it now is to, quote, sell a book. Okay, so let's play with that for a second. The only reason why this is coming out now, according to the president, is because the former national security advisor is trying to sell a book. Well, is he trying to sell a book? It's apparently going to come out in March in the whole review process from somebody who's had a cabinet level position, as Bolton has had. You've got to give the manuscript to the White House, right? There, there's a check and balance like cleared through national security yes. things. Okay. And so the White House has the manuscript. Had, yeah. As far as we can tell, they're the only ones. According to John Bolton's attorneys, they're saying somebody inside the White House gave this manuscript to the New York Times. Why? Why? See, the strategy behind this is what fascinates me. What's true, what's not. You know what? I can't I can't make from up from down anymore these days. And I know that a lot of you feel the same way. There's just so much information. There's so many people going, no, what about this? No, what about that? That didn't happen. This happened. I don't know. I can't make sense of it. <laughs> but what I do know is that John Bolton... Yeah did not want to testify in front of the House. When the House was going through their whole impeachment inquiry, right? Yeah. He didn't want to testify. The House subpoenaed his deputy. His deputy, who also has the same attorney as John Bolton, sued the House, saying, I'm not testifying. And they didn't go through the process with John Bolton to go to court and so they, on and so forth. they said, this is how it's going to turn out. He's yeah, going to sue us. And you know it's what? going to take a year to figure they out. Went through, they went through the court process with Don, with Don McGahn, and they're still nine months later going through that process. Okay. okay. So now... We're into the Senate. And it's just about a week, too. I don't know. I can't keep it straight, just like a lot of you, that uh, Bolton had said, you know what? If I am called to testify in front of the Senate, I will. Ooh, that changed things. Why? Why did he decide that he wasn't going to do it with the House, but do it with the Senate? Is it because of this book? Because imagine this, Bruce. Imagine the book comes out in mid-March. And this, quote-unquote, bombshell... That shows that, no, yeah, the president was, in fact, holding this money against Ukraine so that the announcement of a Biden investigation would happen. The question would be, why did you wait until March with the book to drop that when, if you believe what the Democrats are saying, our democracy is on the line? It would make Bolton look bad. So I think that now... He is willing to talk because he has this information. He has decided to write this book and it serves him better to do it now. Now, here's the thing. He's a Republican. 
Oh, and- wait a minute. I thought he was a liberal, Hillary-loving, <laughs> deep state uh, progressive. No, he's a, he's a hawk. Yeah, like he, he, he likes to... Uh, he's never met a war he wasn't right, in favor of. exactly. He wanted to nuke Iran. And, and you know what? And I don't agree with John Bolton on, on a lot of his policies. I don't agree with John Bolton on most things. Yeah, okay. But the one thing he's not is a liar. So now you're going to have Republican senators that have got to square that. But here's something that it may not require any Republicans to go along with. Did you know, because I did not. That I probably didn't. What? That per the rules of an impeachment trial, Chief Justice John Roberts could enforce a subpoena against any witness or documents. So all it would require is... Somebody, a member of Congress, the the managers, for example, yeah, the, the House, House managers, managers yeah. to say, hand him a piece of paper that says, we think John Bolton has evidence that is relevant to what's going on, and we think he should be called and subpoenaed. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who's also overseeing this, could enforce that subpoena, and it doesn't require a vote from Congress. Okay, uh, Senate, hold on. It would require a two-thirds vote. To overrule him, oh, I don't think they, they don't have that. Which I don't think they have. But then that also gets. Would and that know, leave them off the hook? Ah, you know, Would that leave are. Republicans off the hook who are afraid of saying, "I want to hear from witnesses" for fear of the mean tweet they might get? Potentially, but what you're banking on there is that Chief Justice Roberts would actually do that. Because there's, okay, okay, there's a that? lot of speculation as to how involved he wants to be in these proceedings. Uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist, during the Clinton administration, uh, you know, in, impeachment and, and trial in the Senate, wanted a very hands-off yeah. approach. He was just there kind of as a witness. He, he didn't do much. And I'm not trying to be disparaging. It's just he didn't feel like that was his role. Um, mm. How does Roberts feel on this? We don't know. But every day this story changes. Because last week I was like, there is is a one-tenth of one percent chance they're going to have witnesses. I think we're at 50-50 today. Yeah, and I think that what you're going to have is with this latest rough draft manuscript of the John Bolton book that's expected to come out in March. I think what you're going to have now is not just those four senators, you know, like what Murkowski, Collins, Romney, Romney and maybe and Anderson, Alexander, yeah. Alexander. Thank you. Um, but I think what you're going to have is more Republicans that are just even looking to hear witness testimony, and if they can get six or ten, it gives them cover because, like, I, I hold true. Nobody wants to be the 51st vote saying that witnesses and new evidence is going to be entered. There's comfort in numbers. Lindsey Graham said this morning, I want to see more what's in the manuscript before I decide whether or not we need witnesses. So how do you get the manuscript? And therein lies the rub. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, Bruce. And so are the yeah. days of our lives. It ain't going anywhere. You know what? The the sports world, uh, certainly many other people mourning the loss of, of Kobe Bryant, as well as the rest of those on board the helicopter. We had a really interesting conversation with Jerry Colangelo, who, who had a relationship with Kobe Bryant. You got to hear what he had to say about we'll this. We'll dig into that next. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. 
We are getting more information out regarding the uh, the crash and subsequent uh, death of nine people, including Kobe Bryant aboard this helicopter. And his daughter. Uh, a Sunday morning that uh, weather conditions were uh, uh, sketchy at best. There was fog in the area, low-lying clouds, and that when you look at the, and they have the track of the, of the helicopter involving uh, speed and altitude, that it was acting erratically before it crashed into the side of the hill. So we, we've been trying to give you guys some perspective on this tragic story. And we, we reached out to Jerry Colangelo. You guys know who he is, former owner of the Suns, as well as uh, director of USA Basketball. And the reason why we reached out to him is because he he knew Kobe, um, playing him on the court, you know, as sure. a rival. Um, and in fact, let me play you this real quick. So this is what Kobe Bryant had to say uh, about the rivalry between, you know, Phoenix and uh, and the Lakers. That was a real rivalry to me. You know, the Sacramento thing wasn't really because we beat them every time. Ouch. You know, Phoenix, I mean, they kicked our butts and we had to bounce back and had to overcome them. And you know, that's a true rivalry. No, there's no wiggle room there. No, I hated them. Absolutely. Because of the, the playoff series? Yes. Yeah, they stopped me from getting the championship twice. Damn right I hated them. So, I mean, I mean like that. that so. Jerry Colangelo knew him from from that perspective, sure. but also knew him um, from you know USA Basketball, and so I want to play you a little bit um, from from our interview with Jerry Colangelo earlier in the program and what he had to say about Kobe Bryant. Take a listen. The Lakers came in to play the Suns, and he came to my office, and we were going to talk about him participating uh, on the Olympic roster, and I wanted to um, egg him on a little bit, and I said, Kobe, if you're going to be with us, I want you to know we may change your role. Rather than a scorer, we may make you a distributor. (laughs) And he got a smile on his face, and he said, uh, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I just want to be part of it. And he was a part of it. And and you, you heard uh, Jerry Colangelo say be, because Kobe was a part of it, he believes that's why they were able to win that first gold medal with him. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't just about the gold medal. It was about the precedent that he set on the team as well. And I thought that this was also interesting, uh, what Mr. Colangelo had to say about that. He came in early. He was the first guy in the in the weight room at 5.30, a quarter to six in the morning. And players like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Carmelo Anthony and others all followed him. He just took the lead. Hmm. They They wanted to follow him. Yeah. And he was a leader. Uh, yeah. And you know what? It was one of those things where, and I, I think this is kind of when you, when you think about the impact spreading well outside of Laker fans, Los Angeles, et cetera, is that at some point, even with your most bitter rivals, you do have to acknowledge they're good. I guess pretty good. I guess good. I mean, you know, listen, I hope we beat no, you I, to a pulp. But he's pretty darn good at this. And what you hear there is that not only there was a rivalry, but there was respect. There was a ton of respect. And when we spoke with Jerry Colangelo earlier in the program, um, you know, I, I asked him about that respect. And not just about the player he was on the court, but the respect off of it. Here's what uh, Mr. Colangelo had to say about that. I admired the fact that he had such an illustrious career and set it aside after 20 years. 
and start it all over again, wanting to become the best father, the best husband uh, that he possibly could be to make up for lost time. Yeah, and that's the human side of it. Hmm. And, and I could have sat here for an hour and, and listened to Jerry Colangelo talk about the stories he had, the relationship he had, and his thoughts on Kobe Bryant. But if you want to go back and listen to that entire interview, I would encourage you to do so because it's not just about the basketball player. It's about the man Fair. and how close he became to becoming a Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Go back. Uh, you can find that on our podcast, the Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes Show podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, you can go back and you can listen to that interview for yourself. It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. A lot of people feeling I have some friends that were uh, good good friends of his, decent friends of his, and are certainly just feeling the loss of the, of the person, of the man that he was, aside from basketball. The coronavirus has made its way to the valley. We're going to talk to a doctor next. And maybe one of the best questions we have, Pamela, is how concerned should we be? Talk to the doc. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I don't know. It feels like a big deal. It feels like something I should be concerned about. It's the coronavirus now with 82 people uh confirmed dying from it beijing um announced its first death and expanding a quarantine to more than 50 million people um and we're also now learning that the virus could be uh inside people and they could transmit it while showing no outside signs of being sick, which is a concern. Joining us right now to get perspective on this story is our medical explanationist, Dr. Terry Simpson. Hey, Good morning to you, Doc. Good morning. Good to have you on the show with us, especially over such an important topic like this. Uh, we have our first case of coronavirus here in Arizona down at ASU. Is that concerning to you? Yes, it is. You know, I mean, you have this virus which has made the jump from going from animal to animal, from animal to people, and now people to people transmission. You have uh, the rate of transmission of this virus is about double that of the worst influenza. So it transmits between people very quickly. And you have a death rate that's associated with it. So when you see one, it's kind of like seeing one cockroach in your house. I got it. And and the assumption is there's more. And again, I, I was unaware, I learned today, that you could be, I'll use the term contagious, you're going to correct me on any medical terms, Dr. Simpson, but, uh, and not show any outward signs of a fever or sneezing or anything like that. That sounds concerning because if I understand correctly, for example, at airports in the United States, we were screening and some of we were screening for people showing signs of illness. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very long before we start seeing, um, we, we start disallowing people from coming in from foreign countries mm. or placing them in quarantine. I think that's going to be a step which will probably be taken in a very short period of time. Why do you think it hasn't it happened yet, extraordinary, Doc? It takes an extraordinary amount of muscle to say we're going to quarantine a city of 5 million, now we're quarantined 50 million. Um, you know, China can do it, obviously, but you can't do it very well. It's 
it's uh, it's a tough it's it's potentially a major 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 issue. Why do you think that that hasn't taken place in the United States yet, Doc? Because I don't think that we've reached the level of how bad this is. You know, when you hear about seven or eight deaths, people say, "Oh, it's not that bad." You know, we have three thousand deaths from the flu. That doesn't seem to affect anybody into getting influenza virus yeah. vaccination, but. Now we're seeing how fast this is multiplying, how quickly it's going. The epidemiologists in Hong Kong predict that within uh, a very short period of time, within the next few weeks, there's going to be 150,000 cases in China. Wow. And the rate of transmission of this is so fast and so rapid. We're, it's kind of getting us back on our heels a bit. We're again talking to uh, Dr. Terry Simpson, and I, and I guess along those lines, uh, I'm, I got a lot of concerns. I will admit, I'm not an alarmist. Uh, you know, Dr. Simpson's known me for quite some time. I don't get my flu shot. <clears throat> I'm allergic to needles. Um, but this does feel different to me in in a bunch of ways. Number one, I don't assume China's being totally straight with us. Uh, I'm not going to make the assumption that China is transparent for the first time in the history of China. Um, But are you concerned about this in ways that maybe other outbreaks around the world didn't have you concerned? Why do I feel so different about this one? I'll give you a very personal example. I'm due to uh, fly back to Phoenix on Friday. I'm not going to fly from California. I'm going to drive. I'm going to avoid the international airport in Phoenix. Wow. That's how much I'm concerned about. Okay. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) go ahead, Doc. That's how concerned I am. And I think that people need to be concerned. Now, I hope we are all crying, not crying wolf, because this is real. I hope it's not as bad as we think it is. But let's just be very, very clear. We get about every hundred years a major pandemic in the world. We have better resources to control them if we're able to find a way to vaccinate against the coronavirus. That would be wonderful. I'll be first in line. But we get these things. These things happen. You know, these bugs come from animals to people, people to people, and then just wipe out large swaths of people quickly. It happens. And even if this isn't the one that does it, it is very good for us to get prepared and understand that these things can happen. And in a time when you can be in China from Phoenix in about 13 hours, um, think how fast this stuff spreads. We're talking to Dr. Terry Simpson about the coronavirus, Arizona having its first confirmed case here in Tempe at ASU. And, Doc, from what we've been told, this is somebody who is part of the ASU community. Now, they're not telling us if it's a student, if it's an educator, if it's somebody who just works on campus. But I know that there are a lot of people listening right now that have students there, may be a student there, work there, have loved ones there. What would you say to those folks now that that case has been identified in that area, if they're concerned? Well, certainly they have the the Department of Health will be following up with everybody that individual has been contacted with and probably two points beyond. That person is quarantined. They will be quarantined. Their friends will be quarantined. The people that have been contacted with them will be quarantined. When the U.S. Embassy takes people out of China, as it's due to do in the next week, all those individuals will be quarantined. So people we know who have the virus they're not the ones that one should worry about. We know who they are. They're going to be quarantined. They're going to be taken care of. The vast majority of those people will get over it. They will not die. But the ones that you do have to worry about are the people you don't know, which is, again, why, you know, it's not necessarily a bad idea to avoid people who are coughing and sneezing. Wow. 
Dr. Terry Simpson, thanks so much, Doc. We appreciate your input on this very important story. You think I'm overreacting. You think I feel it's different. And Doc Simpson says he's going to drive to avoid airports. Yeah, I got to admit that kind of hit home. I was going to say. Yeah, that's a perspective. Did that one ring? And and we've had... Doc Dr. Simpson's not a bizarre no. alarmist. No, believe me. I've talked to Dr. Simpson yeah. about like my my uh, essential oils. and He rolls his eyes at you. He totally rolls he his rolls eyes. He rolls his eyes. Like, if it makes you feel Taylor. better, knock yourself yeah, out, he yeah, says. But he's but, like a realist, yeah. right? So, yeah, that just kind of gave wow. me a uh, moment of pause. Might need to have your faith in humanity restored, Holy Pamela cow. says. Guess what? She can do it for you. It's coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So for years, we've relied on uh, Dr. Terry Simpson as our chief medical explanationist. He is a uh, a former trauma surgeon, an internist. Uh, He's done it all. Volunteers up in Alaska, his home state, to work with indigenous peoples and runs clinics. He's a pretty cool guy. But he is he is well versed in the world of medicine, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted him to talk to us a little bit about this coronavirus you might have been hearing about, and the fact that we have a, a confirmed case here now in the valley. So we got him on the horn. We just oh. talked to him last hour or last half hour, last segment. You may have heard it. And Bruce and I wanted to take a moment to react to it because, like you just established, we have a relationship with, yeah. with Doc Simpson. And Doc Simpson and I have gone round and round over the years because, you know, I take a bunch of supplements and I like my <laughs> essential oils. And he just kind of laughs at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? If you think that makes you feel good, go for it. But it's really not doing anything, Pamela. Because he's... He is he's he's a scientific based fact based. Yeah, he he's a medical yeah. expert in that sense. So, we wanted to take a moment to react to what he just said. Okay. Because we wanted to get perspective as to how big of a concern the coronavirus in the United States and in particularly here in Arizona now that we have a confirmed case. Take a listen to what he just said, folks, and see if it gives you a moment of pause like you had Bruce and I here in the studio looking at each other going, what did he just say? I'm due to fly back to Phoenix on Friday. I'm not going to fly from California. I'm going to drive. I'm going to avoid the International Airport in Phoenix. Wow. That's how much I'm concerned about. Okay. That's how concerned I am. And I think that people need to be concerned. So he's in Santa Barbara, California. He's going to drive to Phoenix from Santa Barbara to avoid International airports, the two being Los Angeles and Phoenix Sky Harbor. This is not a... An alarmist. This isn't some wacky doctor who's going to... Again, he's going to rub crystals on you (laughs) and hope you get better and maybe there's a dance involved. No. The the coronavirus... And and I think what we're we're getting is... It's what we don't know. And, And I did think this is... I didn't... I wasn't the one that made it, but I certainly think this. Do we think China's being 100% honest with us well in either the number of deaths the number of cases or what they've done to contain it china's a closed society in the past they've certainly fudged lied or you know they've been somewhat transparent early on with this they've done like the sequencing uh, of, of the disease and they've gotten that out there and so people are working on a vaccine but when i talk about a vaccine we're talking months if not years from now okay um but but I think that the more you dive into the story, and, and I don't want to sound like an alarmist, no. but, the, but the scarier it becomes. I just watched a, a program on CNN. They actually sent a reporter into uh, Hubei, is that how you say it? Hubei, yeah, okay. the, which is the a city. province. 
the oh, province. Okay. Wuhan, Wuhan is, is the city. 11 million people. Straight. Well, it used uh, to be 11 million. But, but That's but another they, story. They, they sent somebody in there yeah. uh, to get to like the ground zero, the market. Yeah. You see the market, so on and so forth. And this camera crew and reporter was there when they found out that they would be shutting down the city, this quarantine that we've been telling you about, where 11 million people are supposed to be staying in place. And they checked out of the hotel at 3 a.m. They went to the train station to get a ticket. The place was packed at 4.15 in the morning, and they were able to get on a train at 7 a.m. before the quarantine was put into place. There were millions of people that were able to get out of this city because they didn't want to be quarantined. Where are those people? That's how you're starting to see yeah. this, uh, this disease spread. The mayor of Wuhan says 5 million of the 11 million residents have left. And that's why Hong Kong has now banned yeah. anybody from those areas to come in. Might be oh, one of the geez. reasons you think we're going to heck in a handbasket. Yeah. Pamela says she can restore your faith in humanity. Well, let's talk about like a, a, a positive health story, I guess you could say, because that's a sure bad one. I, I want to take you to Metro Tech High School here in the Valley. And it was last week where you had a couple teachers that were taking a lunchtime walk around campus. And one of the teachers passed out. The other teacher started yelling for help, and that's where Salim Mohammed was in a nearby gym playing and working out. He ran out to find out what was going on, and there was a teacher lying unconscious on the ground. He immediately stepped into action and started performing CPR on this teacher while the other teacher called 911, just jumped in and, and, and helped out. Now, he... he provided assistance and chest compressions for five minutes until first responders got there. And by the time they got there, the the teacher had um, gained consciousness oh, and, wow. and was taken to the hospital. Now, I got to tell you, Salim is at Metro Tech High School studying auto collision. Okay. He learned CPR in health class, never thinking he'd have to, have to perform it. Thank you for paying attention. Yes, but but this, this teacher had suffered a seizure. She had suffered a heart attack. And he very well may have have saved her life. Yeah. An amazing story, an amazing young man. Thank you for that. Yeah. Wow. The, the uh, Red Cross also teaches CPR. If you're ever unclear, you can always go and take them. All right. Pamela, restoring your faith in humanity. We look through the double pane bulletproof glass. We've got DJ Tommy Two Tone, super producer Stevie Z, and Bob McClay over there.